So I'm just going to open up with some prayer, and uh, we'll get going. Lord, I just thank you so much for, um, just for tonight and bringing everyone here tonight. Lord, I'm just, I'm looking forward to what you want to show us. Lord, I just, uh, I'm just going to pray this just to kind of go with the flow of what you're doing here tonight. I just thank you, God, ahead of time for the breakthroughs that are going to happen tonight. I thank you, God, for the... Um, just a great sense of that your burden being light and your yoke is easy. I thank you, God, that, um, that even the cross that was set before you, you can consider it joy. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we can consider our cross as pure joy like never before. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is great because... Uh, this is like a leash to me, so I can't go out too far. I tend to pace, so if I move around a lot, everyone, just let you know ahead of time. Um, I'm going to share some things on my heart, and honestly, this is really amazing. Um, uh, a lot of times, I found myself preparing notes before I go and speak, and oftentimes, uh, the notes like disappear. So, uh, John was picking on me earlier about looking at my notes. My notebook is at home. So the Lord has another plan. <laughs> and I actually have the message. I, I, I know what I want to share tonight. And I knew it was confirmed this morning when I went, uh, to my church, I go to Harvest Chapel in Pennsylvania. And, uh, when I went there this morning, my pastor was talking a lot of what I was sharing tonight. So it confirmed that what I want to share tonight is what he wants, the, the message that he wants. Um, I don't know, some of you guys, I, I've seen some of, you, some of you guys before, some of you guys are new faces. I don't know what is going to happen tonight. All I know is that the Lord, uh, uh, when I said to you that the Lord wants to give you a breakthrough, that is not just me uh, bringing hype. That is actually what the Lord wants to do tonight. And I'm just going to declare that over you. Um, there, there is like, some of us are dealing with heaviness in this room. And I know that John already talked about it. I felt like um, the Lord wants to show you what it means that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. Um, for years, I struggled uh, with depression and anxiety. And uh, I, was a, a, I was a practicing complainer. I got to the point where I complained so much, I got sick and tired of hearing myself complain. And uh, for a long time, that's pretty crazy. Um, for a long time, I thought that I just had to go with my emotions and where my, where my emotions were going. If I'm like up, I'm great, and then I'm down. And, and I felt like I had to follow that train of how I felt um, and my thoughts. There was a long time, and I don't know, maybe none of you guys are going to be able to say that this is your everything, something that you've ever dealt with, but my mind for a long time was uh, um, uh, not quiet at all. <laughs> it was really loud. Um, I had so many different thoughts in so many different directions, and I just never felt a sense of being stable in my life growing up. And, um, you know, and every one of us has a story. Uh, I want to share just a little bit of some uh, of in, in Genesis chapter 37, a, a story of, of Joseph. And um, I, I, let's put it this way. Some of you, what I'm about to share with you today, some of you are going to be like, I know this. It's just going to be a reminder. For some of you, it's going to probably be something you've never heard before. And, um, and, and that's okay. I mean, here's something that I'm still learning after all these years being in the kingdom, still learning about Jesus. I feel like I, I feel like the more that as the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. 
And um, I, the, the more that I get to know him, the greater I realize how big the cross is, you know. And, and the, more that I, the more that I get to know him, the more I'm blown away by him. Like, he absolutely is my best friend. Like, he is the friend that stuck by me when no one else was around. And he's continually to do so. He is the most persistent, loving, overwhelming, amazing listener, too. I mean, he, there's so many things I could tell you about Jesus. Like, he is not like this, uh, he is not this theological book. He is not, um, he is not the five-point Calvinistic uh, Jesus. He is not the put him in a box kind of Jesus. And the more that I get to know him, the more that I realize I don't know. <laughs> but what I do, what I want to share with you tonight is um, something I believe that the Lord wants to unlock in some of us. And even for myself, I want to go into a greater place. I just, first of all, I just love the transparency of you guys, your hearts. And, and for my experience, even the last time I was here, it was amazing to see you guys, how you guys celebrated each other. And I, I love that. And, and John, I just love your heart, you just being real, because honestly, that's what we need more than ever. We need to be real with each other, and we need to be transparent. Sometimes when you see certain leaders, you're thinking, man, they don't have a problem in the world. And, oh, man, <laughs> no, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that, you know, that you might not see. But um, one of the things I, I came across, it's funny, my breakthrough in my own personal life um, was not necessarily an intentional thing. So I'm sitting on the front step of my parents' house. It's in 2000, it was 2003, April 6, 2003. And here I'm sitting on the front step of my parents' house, and for years I, I struggled. I struggled with depression. I walked away from my faith. I walked away from God. And um, I was raised in a very strict Baptist church, and uh, like guys— you never had hair touching your ear or the back of your collar. Like, we didn't have, like, drums, because if you had drums in the service, there's a chance for you to dance, and if there's a chance to, to dance, there's going to be seduct. I mean, it was just, it was really strict. But I knew Christ at a young age. I would spend so much time, five, six, seven years old, wanting to know God. And I didn't have friends growing up. I was a nerdy kid. I was the one that they threw in the trash can. That was me. Um... And uh, I remember spending a lot of time with the Lord. But as I got older, I started to see all the gaps that I could see in the church, all the things that were wrong. And honestly, it's not really difficult to be negative, you know. In the world, the way the world is, it's really easy to be negative. And, and it's, it's actually very, it's very strange when you meet someone that actually is the opposite of that, when you find someone that's truly positive. So for years, I saw all the discrepancies, and I was, I was hurt with the church and, and so many different things, not to go into all that, but I basically just walked away from my faith completely. I remember the time when I was driving down the road. I remember the road. I remember where I was. I'm, I, I'm from Lancaster, um, and I remember driving down the street. Lancaster, represent. We got one. <laughs> and I drove down the street, and I'm going to share something with you. It, I might push some buttons, but I remember just flipping the bird to, to God. I used both hands, and I, I told him I want nothing to do with him anymore. I said, I want nothing to do with you. And, and, and um, it was, it's kind of funny because I, I, I got to a place where I would, I would have considered myself an atheist, which I really knew I wasn't an atheist, but I was just angry at God. And to the point where I was, you know, um, I don't want to be around Christians at all. And um, I wrestled. 
But the Lord kept on being persistent towards me over the years and showing me his love. I've had experiences that, um, that are not inside the box by any means. I had a time that I'm, I'm, I'm completely drunk and I'm in the bar. And I remember drinking and I was by myself. I wasn't even hanging out with a bunch of people. And I remember feeling the presence of God. And I remember feeling a hand touch my back. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, I might stretch you a little bit, but I could turn for a second, and it's like I saw the face of Jesus. And I remember just being sobered up. You think that that would be a moment where I would just spin like, okay, Jesus, I want to I worship you and I love you. It was not the case for me at all. I was really stubborn. But here I am on the front step of my parents' house having a conversation with God. And I said, Lord, I said, you have been more good to me than bad. I said, but all the bad things that I've ever experienced were not you. I know that it had nothing to do with you. I said, Lord, I take these bad things and I push them over here. And I said, I don't need to figure it out. And I said, God, you're good. And it was at that moment when I said, God, you're good, is when I experienced the presence of the Lord like I never have before. What I want to share with you tonight is a story of Joseph. And I believe that there, there are some keys that are in the story of Joseph that is very powerful. And one of the keys is, and I'm just going to let you know ahead of time, is, is a place of praise, is a place of breakthrough. A place of thanksgiving is a place of breakthrough. I stumbled, I accidentally stumbled into this greatest breakthrough. I want you to know, when I had this prayer and I had this conversation with God, it wasn't because everything was so hunky-dory. It wasn't because I had the love of my life. It wasn't because I had all these things going good for me. I actually um, had a business for two years, and my business was stolen out from under me, from a friend, from church. I had, um, I had I, the girl that I was with, we broke up. My car broke down. I mean, this is like a country song. I mean, just, just seriously. I mean, and, I, and I, listen, there, man, I've dealt with stuff. There are people that have dealt with so much worse than me, but you know when you're going through it, it's like the end of the world, right? And, I, and, and it wasn't like I came to the spot with God and be like, yay, Jesus. It was like, no, I had to, had to have a conversation. Two weeks before, I ended up going to a funeral of a friend that was a couple years younger than me, and he died in a car accident. And it just shook me up, and here I'm having this conversation. And I said, God, you are more good to me than bad, but I know you're not bad. If you guys have your Bibles, I just want to kind of go through this real quick. I'm going to go through Genesis chapter 37. And I'm going to do my best. Sometimes the Baptist side of me comes out and I preach a little bit longer. So I don't mind you like letting me know. It's 621. I'm good. Okay. Now, I know that there are a lot of you that are dreamers here. And I know there's a lot of people. I've even heard in the testimony time about being a dreamer. Um, Joseph was a dreamer, and he's a dreamer of dreamers. I actually believe that the story of Joseph is a, is a pattern for the believer. I believe that Joseph is a story of a pattern of a believer that has a dream for their life. And I believe that there are keys that we can gain from this. There's so much that I, could, I can go into, but I'm going to keep it real short. But my, my, my encouragement for you is to, like, dig in like you never have before. If you really want to understand destiny. Um, one of the number one reasons why people never come into their destiny is a lack of the ability to handle conflict. 
80% of the, by, uh, of the body of Christ never come into that place of their destiny in their life because of not being able to handle conflict. Joseph is a great example of how to handle conflict. And, and so here we go. Genesis chapter 37. I'm just, I'm just going to go into read a couple scriptures here. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors, but his brothers saw that his father loved him more than his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. First of all, just to just kind of give you a little bit of background, uh, Joseph was from a very dysfunctional family. Um, there's 11 brothers, uh, and he had a couple sisters, and there, and there he is. He's the only one that was born, I believe, at that time. It might have been Benjamin, too. Born to Rachel. So there was this, there was this division between the siblings. And you could see here that um, Israel loved Joseph more than his brothers. There's some favoritism here. And so he, he makes this coat of many colors. And now, like his brothers, like, you, I don't know if you guys have, have, I don't know if you have siblings, but I'm the oldest of 10 kids. I have seven sisters and two brothers. So I've seen some sibling drama in my life. Does anyone else have brothers and sisters? Yeah? So you guys know. So here we go. So Joseph, he is actually, he, his dad actually built, made this coat for him. And, and, and I can't go into all the significance of this, but it had something to do with the priest. There was, um, there was something that a father would pick a child to represent as a priest for the family. And it's had something to do with this, this background. It's just something for you to look in. If you'd like to dig into the Word of God and find the details, that's a really cool detail to look into. So here we go. Joseph, he's, he had this dream. Verse uh, 6, so he said to him, he said to them, please hear this dream. So he goes and he gets ready to tell this dream. He says, There were binding sheaves in the field, and then behold, my sheaf arose and, and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood around and bowed down to my sheaf. Now, you understand, this conversation, it sounds really weird, right? Like, it's like sheaf? Like, what is this? It's like basically, if you could just imagine like a bundle of like wheat, you know, with a tie in the middle. So what happened was, he's basically seeing his family bow down to him. Now, I think that might make some family members mad, especially considering that he was, like, the younger end of the family. And he's basically telling them his dream. And I don't think that Joseph is even thinking. I think he was so excited about his dream, I think he opened his mouth too soon. This is all too often what happens with people that get a dream. Sometimes we tell it to the wrong people. Sometimes we tell it to the people that, to, to your own family. I don't know if you've ever had something that you shared with someone and they look at you like, you have three eyeballs or something. You know, you're like, hey, I want to do this. And they're like, okay, you, and you want to make money doing that? Or, you know, how are you going to do that? And this is something that Joseph experienced. Well, actually, he actually ended up having two dreams. And I'm not going to go into all the dreams. Okay, then, then basically what happened was um, his brothers go out to take care of the sheep. And his dad goes and sends him to go and spy on his brothers. Now, you can understand, his brothers were probably, like, smoking cigarettes and drinking, like, vodka or something. And they were, like, the older brothers, and they didn't want nothing to do with, like, Joseph, you know. And he was, like, looked upon as a tattletale. And, and, and he was trying to watch out for his brothers, but really he, he went to go spy out on his brothers. 
Then the brothers saw him, and they're like, ah, look at this dreamer here. Let's, let's, let's take care of this guy. Verse 17 in chapter 37 says, um, actually this is verse 18. He says, um, now when they saw him far off, even before he came near them, they conspired against to kill him. They said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. And sh- we, we shall see what has become of his dreams. So they see Joseph and, they're, and, they're, and they want to they kill him. They want to be done and over with. Sometimes, just to let you know, sometimes the dreams in your heart, because people are, 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 don't understand it, they're going to actually be irritated. Or they might see you actually be excited about something and actually might want to kill that thing. So here they are. They see, the, they see, they see their brother and like, oh, let's, go, let's, let's, let's kill our little brother. Verse 24, I'm just going to kind of uh, sum this up as quick as I can. And they took him and they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes, and they, and they looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balms, myrrh, and on their way back to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there to kill him and conceal his bre- blood? Come and let us steal um, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brothers listened. So basically now he's now on the bottom of a pit. Now this is something so important here and I can't emphasize this enough. Many times people will get a dream or a promise or something in their heart and the first thing that will happen Right away. You guys ever have those moments where you just like, you, maybe, maybe, maybe it's part of your career. Some of you guys are in school, and, you, and now you're, like, you, you, you're kind of seeing like, oh, I can go and major in this now. Maybe you spent the first two years just trying to figure things out. And then you have the aha moment, and everything's exciting. And then all of a sudden, something comes and challenges it. You guys ever have a moment like that where you just have something, and you have some insight, and all of a sudden it's challenged? Oftentimes, I could say probably every single time, something that comes from God is always going to be challenged. You can look at it time and time again and see the word of God, where the word of God was challenged. Look at Jesus. Remember the story of Jesus, and he's getting ready to get baptized, and God the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? And then what happened? The Spirit of the Lord was so pleased with them, and, and God was so pleased with them, he took them out to the desert. Well, that's great. Now he's out in the desert. And so he's out there for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happens? The word gets tested. If you really are the son of God, remember all that? All that jazz? Yeah. So this is something for you to understand that if God is giving you insight, it is always going to be tested. Always. I'm not trying to be that to, 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 to be negative. I'm just letting you know to understand. I'm not saying that you expect bad things to happen. I'm saying it's going to be challenged. He gets the word, he gets the dream, now he's down in the pit, right? But if you look here, and you look at this, and and if you look at and study Joseph, there is not one time that Joseph ever complains. Not once. If it was me in the bottom of the pit, I'm like, they are eating and I'm hangry right now. You know? Like, throw me something. Give me some ramen noodles or something. Like, something down in this pit, okay? Like, and here he is. He's going to get sold into slavery. Now, here's something really fascinating. I believe that Joseph prayed at the bottom of the pit. 
I want you to know something. Whatever pit you're in, whatever pit you're in right now, it can be one of the greatest experiences with God, and you can have the biggest breakthrough you could ever have. I can tell you story after story after story that if you understand this spiritual principle, when you're in the pit, you can still give praise. See, it's not just that you fake it. Oh, yeah, praise Jesus. No, it's, it really means something. Like, the problem is, is that we're so sometimes feelings-oriented. We feel. I'm a big feeler. Like, I feel everything, you know? Like, although, like, I probably not as much as my girlfriend. She'll be like, we'll watch a movie. She's like, are you crying right now? I'm like, no, it's allergies. She wants me to cry, you know? But I can feel things, and I see it. But here it goes. A lot of times we're so used to, to, to just going with our feelings Sometimes those feelings can be so strong and so real that we just succumb to it. We say, okay, that's the reality that I'm believing. We, we won't say this, but this is what's happening. In the pit, sometimes the biggest thing that you need to understand is one of the greatest things you can understand is the faith, is the faith aspect. Faith is not feelings. Sometimes you have to faith your way out of the pit. You have to go on the word of God that he gave you before. And keep that word in front of you, or keep that vision in front of you, in that pit. And here, he, I believe Joseph prayed a prayer. Here it goes. This is, this is fascinating. The Ishmaelites came, and he got sold into the Ishmaelites, right? He got sold off into slavery. But if you look at the word, it, this is fascinating. Any word or name in the Bible, you can look at, there's a root word, especially in the Hebrew. It's pretty fascinating. It's very visual. But the Ishmaelites is is it, the Ishmael, it, it means basically that God has heard, has heard you. God has heard you. I'm not really this Hebrew scholar. But basically, if you remember Ish, Ishmael's mom, she's crying, right? She gets kicked out. You know, Abraham's like, bye, you know? And she's crying, and then God comes. The name Ishmael is like the God who hears. Now, he's in the pit. Look who comes to get him. The Ishmaelites. God hears. I believe that this is a way of God giving us a little wink. He's like, this is what I mean by that. Do you understand? Sometimes it looks like it's going from bad to worse. Like, here I'm in the pit, and now I'm being sold into slavery. Thank you very much. You know? Let's just, like, throw salt in the wound. I believe that him, him getting sold into slavery was actually an answer to prayer. Sometimes your prayers will be answered in ways that will not make sense logically to you. I can say you probably most of the time. I can probably say probably all the time. Because you understand the kingdom of God is something counterintuitive. We, it doesn't make sense. Like, love your enemies? Okay. Like, really, have we practiced it? I mean, it really doesn't make sense. Everything inside of you is like, no! You know? But you know what, though? If you start moving in the opposite direction... And start moving in that direction, you start to see things change inside of you. See, the thing is, is that what happened was Joseph got a dream. And by him getting that dream, God had to do something inside of Joseph. See, Joseph was a little telltale, okay? But God had to go and change something inside of Joseph. See, you understand the challenges you go through are preparation for you. And if you don't get that, you'll get mad and think that you did something wrong. And, and maybe you even did something wrong, right? You, maybe you did do something wrong. But, you, but God can still make all things. You know how we say God makes all things work together for the good? That's in this scripture. This is about Joseph. 
So if you understand that, then when you have a dream, you know it's going to get challenged. But if you can keep the vision and the word of God in you and actually move in the opposite direction, you can have the biggest breakthrough. But shoot, now here it goes. He's in the pit, right? He went from the pit to the palace. He goes to the palace to the prison. Okay? And you're thinking, man, this is like, his, his circumstances are like this. You got to understand, when we grab a hold of this, and this is something that I'm asking God to build in me stronger than ever before, your circumstances and your life, your life does not have to follow your circumstances. Your circumstances can be like this, but you can be strong. You can be in a place of stability when all hell's breaking loose. Heaven breaks loose even more inside of you. That's why you can have, that's why you can have Paul in chains praising God, right? Because there's a kingdom that's beyond the one that they can see. When the reality of the kingdom becomes greater than the reality around you, then all of a sudden your sight and the way you look at things change. You can look at a challenge as an opportunity. I, I, this is like, uh, what? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, 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 is, this, this thought right here alone has changed. It's revolutionized my life. I would like to go into the details, but I, I want you to know, he goes, from, he goes from the pit and he goes to the palace. And, um, and, and let's look at this right here. Let's look at um, uh, Genesis chapter 38. I'm just going to read these couple of verses and we're going to wrap up. Then the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he did, he, he, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of the house, and he had put him under his authority. So it was from that time that he had made him an overseer of the house and all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. Now you got to understand, this is pretty amazing. To think that even the worst case scenario, he's a slave, right? He sold into slavery. But now they saw that the hand of God was with Joseph so strong. He says, uh, everything he touches is like turning to gold. Like, I, 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 we need this guy. I mean, he's hired. So he makes him the overseer of everything that he does. You can be prosperous in the worst case scenarios if you understand that if God is for you, then who can be against you? When you when you when that reality of that becomes your reality, then the 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 lower reality of this world means nothing to you. The more that I get to know Him, the greater reality of Him becomes inside of me. I can tell you this: the past two months have been hard for me, very difficult, and I, I can't go into all the details. And I've had moments where I'd flinch a little bit, but I can tell you this: I used to be like this my whole life. All, all over the place. And the more that I get to know him, the more that my emotions and my thoughts become his thoughts. See, I have a renewed mind. God is still renewing my mind. Sometimes I'm like, wow, it's really quiet in there. My heart is sometimes, I'm going through a situation, I'm like, how is this even possible? I'm going to close up with a story. I want you to know, I, 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 didn't have, I didn't have everything together, and I still don't have everything together. But just understanding this one concept has changed everything. And I want you to know something, it takes practice. I had this one time, I, um, 
you know, make a long story short, I basically, I knew I was going to go to California. I went out to California. I went to this discipleship school and I, I just came out of all those years of experiencing heartache and, and challenge. And here I am going to California and I'm going with this girl and I'm thinking this girl is like amazing. I'm, I, I, I want to be with her. Well, right before we left, uh, her ex-boyfriend came up and like messed everything up. So we ended up going to California. We still had a good trip. I got out there, but my heart was changing towards her because God was actually changing me. And instead of like just, just being heartbroken because I couldn't be with her, I started getting heartbroken because of the way she allowed other people to treat her and how she treated herself. My mind started to change. It wasn't that I thought I was superior to her because I wasn't. But I remember one night in particular— I knew that some of the guys that she was hanging out with, this is discipleship school, I knew that some of the guys she was hanging out with were not, not some of the best guys, you know? And, I, I, and I, I wasn't speaking ill of them, but I knew it wasn't a good scenario. And my heart was broken for her because I knew where she was going with these other friendships. And I remember the night that I was walking back to my house, and I remember having such heart, heartache. And I, like, I, I mean, I felt like I was dying. I, I was grieving in my heart. And all I remember is start saying, Lord God, you are so good. And I remembered all the good things. I said, God, you've done this for me. You've done this for me. I didn't feel it at all. I didn't feel warm and fuzzy. I said, God, you're good. And all of a sudden, it was as if I was cocooned by the presence of God. And all of a sudden, all that heartache and everything just started to leave. And I want you to know something. I can't go into the details right now, but I want you to know that that too was another experience I had with God like no other. Do you understand that if in your greatest pain right now, You can experience God in a way you never have before. And sometimes, listen, sometimes it's not your circumstances that need to change. It's something inside of you that needs to change. I don't want to be a circumstantial Christian. I want to be someone that's steady. I want want to show people in the world, even though the whole world is falling apart, that the kingdom of God that's inside of me is greater than this kingdom. I want to show people that there's something beyond them just going with the emotions. And it's the end of the world. You know, I mean, even with Christians, I can tell you, there's a lot of fear mongering that's going on. And the thing is, is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God is for me, then who can be against me? And, and, and if God can make all things work together for the good, I know that God can show himself in a way I've never seen before. I just want to encourage you, read through the story of Joseph. Ask God to, to show you and to, and to teach you. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I keep on reading this story and again and again. I keep on seeing more and more. Eventually what happens is he goes from, he, he, Potiphar sees his hand and everything he touched turned to gold. Then Potiphar's wife comes around and says, oh, he's good looking. And she tries to sleep with him. And he runs. And what happens is she felt rejected. So when her, when her husband came back, she let him say, hey, by the way, Joseph tried hitting on me. So he threw him into the prison. But even in the prison, he was successful. And then he went and he, he, he saw all this thing. And so what God was doing is he's teaching him how to run a household. He was teaching him about how the jails worked. He was training him. He was training him for what was lying ahead. Then he went and interpreted some dreams, right? And then what happens, he gets let out, and now he's with the Pharaoh. It took 22 years from his 17th birthday to see his dreams come true. 22 years. And the only way I believe that he got through that was understanding God's closeness. 
I just hope that what I shared with you is something that will encourage you. Something so simple, but something so powerful. And this is what I do. I double dog dare you. (laughs) I triple dog dare you. To take whatever, yeah, I know. (laughs) We're raising the stakes now. (laughs) To know that, take take your situation and use it as leverage to get you into the presence of God. Take the word of God to your situation until you see something change inside of you. 